appreciate it. Uh, Aiden's just showing up as well. Shout out to Aiden. Thanks for all the help. What's up, Aiden? There's the, the, the man behind the scenes helping us keep everything on track. Max and I. Shout out to Max as well. He's trying to catch some Z's right now, trying to uh, rest up with, with baby number three. So shout out to Max. Having all the babies. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably not going to make it. He's been pretty quiet in our in our group chat as of late, uh, rightfully so. So we're not trying to pester him. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man, we're going to give everybody just a couple more minutes to, to start to load in. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into things. Um, but yeah, man, so, uh, curious too, how you, you know, before we get started here, you're talking about travel for the tour and whatnot. You guys, uh, you guys have the luxury of, uh, uh, flying private when you need to, to be able to get to where you got to go at the same time, or you guys like, you got to go Delta and and hope that you don't miss flights. (laughs) Um, we, we do a good, a good combination. Um, we just came from Europe where it's notoriously, terrible all the airports right now so you know we made some good decisions to take a pull out the jet when we needed it yeah but um yeah i mean uh this is definitely getting to the point where it's needed mainly for timing wise because uh it's hard to even do two shows in one day without without it so yeah i was gonna say yeah. imagine like getting into the nitty-gritty logistics of it. it's like yeah, you you cannot make this thing at this time if you don't take your own transportation and, and leave when you need to leave. Yeah, and and then when we add shows and touring that to a pre-arranged schedule, then suddenly we're, you know, Friday night in Miami, Saturday night in Seattle, um, and no direct flights uh, to make that happen for us. So. Yeah, and then you just get buried with, uh, you know, or, or getting killed with the with the you know. Uh, time difference and whatnot. What do you guys do? Uh, do you, do you guys do you guys have any tricks to make sure that you stay healthy during those things? During during like the big cross country trips. Our, our, we had dinner with our agent in New York uh, last night, and he had a, a new way to battle um, jet lag. And it was uh, you land and you get lit, and then uh, when you land, you just get lit and party all night. <laughs> yeah, I, it was funny. I was reading. Uh, so that, um, I found that dude, uh, Tim Ferriss, who's always talking about stuff like this as well. <laughs> I don't think he says uh, to get lit. No, no, but something very similar, though, where it's like, he's like, you do, you stay up a little bit later, but you do, like, a really hard workout, like, right before you go to bed. Yeah. And then you just, like, crash really hard. I think so, very once, similar. Once. <laughs> Literally once I've tried that once, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. No, but we just, you know, try, try to not eat, uh, like, a complete asshole. Yeah, and um, that's it's try to get right into the time zones and yeah, that's it. that's all you can do, right? So yeah, you're like okay, and you, you kind of have to buckle up, you know, and, and, and let it rip, sleep when you can. Um, all right, man. So yeah, we'll, we'll start to jump in here as as people start to file, and we got uh, Aiden helping out, allowing people to come in and answer any questions as well. So so again, shout out to Aiden. Um, but yeah, for those of you just tuning in, starting to tune in, uh, my name's Murph, and this is the Monday Morning Manager Podcast. Uh, messing around with times, normally we do this at 11 a.m. on the East Coast, but we're switching things up the last couple of weeks, testing out uh, 11 a.m. on the West Coast to, to hopefully, uh, you know, get some people that might be sleeping in. Uh, so, so shout out to everybody for coming through. Again, we're here every single week. Uh, this week, we are talking with uh, Tamir. We're going to be talking about how to, you know, uh, uh, grow strategically uh, off uh, successes so building building uh slow and steady and, and just starting to add on new things as they come along um and uh and yeah so again samir really appreciate you taking the time i know we we 
uh, VU Max spoke uh, a while ago. So, uh, and I know you guys are in the thick of, you know, uh, probably your biggest tour to date. So, so again, man, appreciate you taking some time. No worries. How do you do? Yeah, man. So, so, so yeah, let, let's kind of like start right at the top. Um, you know, want want to do a little bit of your backstory here for a couple of minutes, but you know, uh, you weren't always working in music, right? That wasn't kind of the initial thought process. You were in the culinary world. That's kind of how you started out. So tell us a little bit more about how you started there and and kind of made the transition into the music space. It actually was always music before culinary, but it was me playing music. I was, Mm -hmm. uh, I played in a upright bass classically in orchestras as a, as a kid in high school. And I was like, um, my mom was also in the classical world space. I was like, I, um, that's what I want to do. I want to be, Move to New York, the Big Apple, and be play upright bass in the orchestra. Um, and then quickly realized that you need um, really good grades to get into classical music school, which is something I never had. And um, so I got mad at the world and said, "Fuck, I'll cook." <laughs> and uh, went to culinary school. And um, and then yeah, was always wanting to do music and and the business of it. And so I, I switched to culinary. Went to school, worked for years as a cook, as a chef in different places, um, while always managing friends' bands, my own bands, setting up shows, all that kind of stuff. And then um, eventually, I owned a couple restaurants in Montreal, and at the same time, my first client, Homo, was starting to tour and um, produce big songs and make money, and uh, so I pivoted again and um, sold the restaurants to focus on just doing that. Yeah, I, I, I love that. It was like you're uh, young enough where you are you have the energy to do all that stuff, but then also you had that, a little bit of that foresight to own a couple of those things to be like, oh no, like yeah, I can I can actually sell these down, down the line, right? And then hopefully, and, and I imagine... Well, I imagine that, but let me ask that question. Was that the was that the initial goal too when you started out, like owning those restaurants? Were like, this is the goal, this is cool, but like if I could sell these and you know focus solely on music at, at some point, that that's the ultimate dream. Yeah, that was definitely always the ultimate dream. I did after culinary school. I also went to like a arts and management school out in Canada in Vancouver, um, which was it was what it was, and then um, so I always definitely had that interest and wanted to. I was reading and you know the music books and learning about that and uh, figuring out terms, but um, yeah, I mean that was always the goal. I, I didn't necessarily have the goal of selling and pivoting again. I just thought I could do everything at once and um, learn quickly that I cannot do everything. <laughs> <laughs> Almost everything. Yeah, I was going to say unless you're Quest Love, uh, yeah, you, you can't do everything at once. Exactly. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> um, what you, you met real quick, you mentioned. Uh, you know, really started digging into to music books early on. That's kind of always been your thing. Uh, what are some classics, some, some favorite? Any classics or favorites that you're like, oh, I read this or I still read this? It's Donald Passman, isn't it? The yeah. Yep. book? Yeah. I mean, that, it was that. Um, my attention span is quite low, so it's a lot of uh, <laughs> articles and, uh, you know, encyclopedias with uh, terms and stuff like that and like that. Yeah. I was gonna say we're we're close in, in in age a little bit there. Like, how did you? Um, and, and I imagine you kind of felt the same way too. Like, not being in New York but being close to New York, right? Like, I was 
I was probably halfway growing up. I was like halfway from where, you know, uh, you, you were up in Montreal and, and, uh, where the city was like, I was like two and a half, three hours North of the city, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like, you're close enough that you're like, yo, you, you feel that like gravitational pull. So you, you want to be there. But one of the things that I loved, like growing up when I did, it was just that like, the internet, like even in college and after college, it was like the internet allowed us to really kind of, um, have really have our pulse on the industry without actually having to be there. So did you really lean into that? Were you big on social starting out? Like, all right, I just want to like follow really dope people that are like talking about great stuff so I can like, just like I said, read good, find those great articles to read or, you know, did, how did you do it? How did you find those articles? Was it old school, like picking up double XL and complex still, or, or was it, you know, did, did you use technology and social media to, to kind of help fill that gap? I remember, I feel like, like back then it wasn't as much social media. Um, I mean, there, there definitely was not as much social media back when I was starting to read. I, I like, have these like memories of uh, going on like Craigslist and looking for local shows and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like uh, that was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, now for sure, you know, following the there's a, there's a lot of um, music people who are very heavy on social media and are, are almost their own presence on there, and it's definitely not what I do or what I try to do, but like, uh, I love keeping an eye on, you know, what other people are doing and what else is going on. Yeah. How do you, um, in order to do that, um, I know I'm going like way off script from our questions, but this is a great, great. <laughs> I didn't prepare for this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll keep it. This will be my last. I was joking. Um, but I, I was going to say, curious, how do you, um, you know, how do you, uh, keep track of everything like with all the stuff going on do you do you limit yourself like yo i'm just i'm only going to go on social media like 30 minutes a day because you guys are so busy with so much going on at a very very high level is it just that you don't have time for social media because you are working or do you try to carve out time like you said to, to kind of keep your your finger on the pulse of things how do you do it um plane wi-fi since that came around that's a big time you know i'm sitting on a plane uh that's a good time to to look at what's going on uh, a lot I, there's a lot of sitting on planes and cars and you know in green rooms waiting for things to happen and um that's when i will pull up my social media um i love to do my 30 minutes of tiktok before bed yeah <laughs> it's you know people like to read i like to see what the what the trend is right now because tiktok's just so crazy right now for the music industry that it's uh it's worth looking at looking at what's going on you know yeah yeah absolutely but no i, I mean like we're obviously busy, but I'm not like I think so many people are busy and still have the time to sit and scroll. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you do you think uh, or are you worried that you do it too much? Like I'm there where I'm like, ah, oh, damn man, I almost need to like take oh, this yeah. shit off my phone. For sure, yeah. And there's people like my sister is really good at being. I'm, I just deleted Instagram for a month, and so I was like, okay, and now you're back on it, babe. <laughs> Yo, I, I, my brother said that to me like years ago, and I was like. You know, what's the point, man? Like, you're probably just going to be back on, like, the same thing. Didn't delete his account, but, like, he yeah. off his phone, and then he was back. I've tried to do that as well, but, like, uh, you know, they, they've made it very tough because, like, we started to put our businesses, you know, on Instagram or on Twitter or on yeah. Facebook. And so you need to check it. It's just so easy to check it on your phone. The, the tough thing is then you get sucked into, like, just scrolling and checking other shit out, too. That That's when it becomes kind of a time suck. So I... I try to set those timers, but man, I blow through those things like nobody's business. Oh yeah, no, I had the timers going for a bit, and I was just deleted right away. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, see you. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I'm not thanks. strong enough for this. 
Thank you, Apple, though, but no. <laughs> yeah, right? It's, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, man. All right, well, we'd love to, um, you know, get, get a quick personal story, too. Like, you've been doing this for a really long time. You know, we were just talking about you know, how you celebrated your birthday a little, uh, a little while ago. You know, but you're always on the move. Do you guys, up to this point in your career, do you have a favorite, like an all-time favorite moment or show that either you went to or that you guys were a part of? Um, there's so many. Um, so, like, honestly, we're so lucky that we're, you know, a bunch of best friends uh, who get to do what we love and all over the world. Uh, standout times, I remember one of the first big tours we ever did was with, again, with Como. Uh, he got to open early in his career for Disclosure, um, in the U.S. and in Europe, and we got to play Madison Square Garden, you know, as, like, one of our first touring shows, uh, sold out Madison Square Garden, direct support. Crazy experience. Again, we had the same experience now with, um, on this weekend tour, we've only, we're only two shows deep, but, you know, walking up and seeing the production and the, and the, the work that gets put into this is crazy inspiring. Um, just had a birthday, as I mentioned, in Cannes, in south of France, um, on this last tour in June, and got to party with Dua Lipa and Post Malone, and uh, on my birthday, on the beach, um, it was it was great. A lot of, so many good experiences. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, you guys spent a lot over the years, especially the last couple of yeah. hard to, to pick one in particular, but... But that first one, just like you said, I was going back to like that first really big show that that's, it's hard to top that because like you always remember that first time. For sure. And you think like, wow, this is like what we can do as well. Like we can bring these many people on the tour and have this much production and, you know, sell these many tickets and do these iconic venues. And, you know, so that's kind of always been the, the guide. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see having played um, arena shows and now you're doing stadiums, right? You guys yeah. have that opportunity. Do you notice any, is there any glaring difference other than just the size of the production, right? And the amount of people that you're going to be in front of? How do you guys kind of view like prep for that? Um, if, if it was our uh, stadium tour, our arena tour, headlining, I'm sure the prep would be massively different. Right. But like, right. um, for me, I'm, I'm a big like, tech nerd like I love seeing like production nerd and tech nerd so for me that's like my biggest um like inspiration the whole thing is just seeing all these people working together and thinking of the logistics of it all is just like incredible and that that's what I do also with, in our um companies the logistics of everything so the thought of um the thought of like putting together a tour where you have 60 trucks and 22 tour buses and um it takes you five days to set up and tear down this um the stage is just unbelievable so um it's it's massively different mainly because of just manpower and logistics and um and essentially like not unlimited budget but you know like as much budget you can have in this in this um space which is something you know usually we're we're always trying to work within a more limited budget to make sure that you know it it makes sense to do what we want to do because we have big ideas but uh Sometimes you can't quite pull them off yet. Yep, yep. Uh, I, I want to go down this rabbit hole uh, for, for another quick minute as well. Appreciate everybody who's coming in. Again, this Monday Morning Manager podcast. We're here every week. Uh, check us out for different times. We're either going to be here at 11 or, or 2 o'clock, depending on where you are. So appreciate everybody for coming through. Um, uh, shout out to Aiden for helping out. Shout out to Max, as always, for helping out, too. This week we're talking about how to really strategize growth. I and mean, we're talking to Tamir here about um, you know his work 
uh, over, the, over the last couple of years, how he got started in music and, and where he's at now, where vacation or not, they're on the weekend tour. Um, and and um, so I, I want to stay there for just a second, too. Again, I know I'm going off script a little bit, but um, it's kind of building off of uh, what you were just saying. Because, again, selfish question for me, being being a, a logistics kind of tech nerd as well. When, when those shows do get that big, right, and you were talking about multiple days to set that up, having 60 trucks and all that sort of stuff, you know, on that high end, again, that's where you guys are trying to go, ultimately get, you know, be the headliner on big shows like that. What does that actually look like, right? Like, you said it takes multiple days to set up and break down. Do they have trucks, like, in every single city doing this? Because sometimes they got shows, like, the very next night in a different city. How are they... Is it really just all right? They got to take all that stuff down, break it all down, and, and box it up that night, and ship it off to the to the next city on the trucks. Is it really that, or did they? It really is that. Yeah, it's, it's just yeah. unbelievable manpower uh, and woman power, <laughs> and um, it's. Uh, I mean, there's never on this specific tour. There's no two days in a row because it's just doesn't doesn't uh, work. But uh, yeah, they have this giant steel structure that holds the stage together essentially, and that leapfrogs. So there's two of them, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one is already set up in the next city while the first city gets torn down and gets brought to the third city. And, uh, but other than that, the 60 trucks are filled with, you know, the staging, the over 1200 light fixtures, the biggest LED wall I've ever seen in my life. The it's, it's, they're pack packed and, um, they're brought up and they probably finish unloading or tearing down in like, you know, six in the morning, drive to the next city and start it all again. Jesus, it's crazy. Now, on a big tour like that, because you need everything to be super consistent, do the same people, the same production crew, putting it up and taking it down, same, they travel, same? They same travel, yeah, like 22 tour buses that carry all these people, and um, and then you get hands, you get a big amount of hundreds of people in it locally um, who work for the venue, and they... Um, so basically, the touring crew will be there to direct and make sure everything gets put in the right spot and, um, uh, you know, set it up physically. But then there's local people that help push and move and unload. Otherwise, you'd be killing these people. So. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I, I, I imagine, um, so I'm from, like, uh, Saratoga, so a couple hours north of the city. But there they have um, uh, a big amphitheater called SPAC. Yeah. And, um, you know, all, all the big acts go through there, too. But, like, growing up, I always knew, like, people that we're doing that as well like at SPAC and they'd be there so just like you said three or four in the morning and I was just like oh there's got to be a set a crew that has to travel because like they're the ones that design the setup that know it in and out all the intricacies and then you also kind of just need manpower to like move shit and pick it up and like yeah. do it quickly <laughs> yeah yeah this is, this, the, the amount of people involved is just uh, unbelievable and the, they're so pro they're so professional and then to them it's like I come in every day I'm like wow and they're like Yep, so we do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like yeah. they gotta be. Yeah, it's great when you can see that sort of professionalism at the highest level too. Yeah, it's like yo, you want to do something this big? Like everything's got to be clicking, like in sync. Everybody's got to be on uh, on board. And and yet, uh, to your point, I love seeing shit like that too because it's like, oh wow, this is how something gets built out of nothing, and the amount of people that can do something incredible is just it's amazing to see. It is. It really is. That's so man. All right. Well, I want to switch gears a little bit here. Um, obviously, we talked about you know you work with Kate Renata, but you know you, you work with another uh, a bunch of other artists as well. Um, so uh, you know, I would like to spend a little bit of time you know kind of talking um, about that. So I'm going to bounce around and you know kind of our questions sure. uh, here. Um, but 
um, let, let, let's go here. Uh, so let's talk about FOMO for a second, right? Some of the, the, the work that he's done uh, throughout his career, very impressive, right? Uh, uh, working with, uh, you know, uh, Anderson Pock, Mac Miller. Um, what have you learned uh, in your work with him about, you know, kind of succeeding in, in the, you know, production realm, right? Very hard to do because now so many people are producing these days and there's so many free beats or cheap beats all over the place. Yeah. What have you learned, you know, working with, I don't want to say a classic producer, but uh, and, and I guess in that sense, that's like, I'm going to focus on production. Um, I mean, with, with Pomo, with Dave, like he was the first person I started working with. Um, we He was in band when we were young and we used to be in bands together. We've known each other since high school days. And um, we really, really like learned together and came up together and started touring together for the first time for both of us. And then um, now with him focusing more on um, production, I mean, there's no one I know, and this is a broad statement, but like that that loves and knows about music than than him. So I think it comes down to it's like fundamentally in inside of him, you know, like uh, just the amount of both theoretical and just data, like knowledge of music is just unbelievable. Like I, I trust his um, taste in, in music more than like m- most people that I know. And um, so I think it comes to that. He's just constantly creating. He's always just in the studio, even if he's not working on something specific. He's just every day um, in the studio. And um, and then that combination with art, um, you know growing bigger as a management company and knowing more people was really a perfect like way to get him in the room with some of these um you know bigger names that made and then and then he delivered and created massive hits for these people and um and and started early like it just back in the day i remember it was it was soundcloud days for him and for and for ka and for sango and for Stu and all, all of our clients really all came from that same those soundcloud days where you could just upload and um if and it just went like uh, because you know if you you had that audience built they were they were loyal audience and um, now it's crazy I don't I don't um, that's the thing that scares me about doing these kind of manager talks is when people look at it, like advice for up and coming now and I'm like hard <laughs> I don't know, like it's hard now it's uh, I don't have an answer like people are like how do I get playing this day all that like. Bro, I don't know, man. <laughs> no one yeah. really knows, you know what I mean? Like, someone, someone's paying, someone's getting paid, but um, it's, yeah, it's just crazy. But yeah, back in the day, just uploading um, undeniably great remixes, great music that weren't taken down because there was no, <laughs> uh, there was no way to take them down at the time. Yeah. And um, and then gaining just an audience. And you notice, like, you put out a song, and you, like, you wake up in the morning, you're like, whoa, 200,000 streams. And then the next one, they like, wow, a million streams on this one. And then, you get attention of also all the artists that he's worked with that came up at that um, kind of time. Like with Anderson Pack, who was he was still called Breezy Lovejoy, and they were fans of each other through SoundCloud, and um, you know started working together, sending each other beats, and then um, made you know he I think he did four or five or six songs for Pack, um, and then um, through Pack getting onto Mac Miller, um, and then through our connections going to John Baptiste, and just just tons of people he's uh he's worked with and produced for and he's got two grammys now to show for 
as well. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, amazing, man. Amazing. And, and I love what you said about like not having the answer to like that. That's one of the reasons that I do this too, right? Because things are constantly changing and it's like, I don't have the answers, you know? It's like, yeah. you ain't got the answers, Swag. It's like, no, you're right. I don't, I mean, you know, it's like, let's just try and bring some collective insights. And I, and I always like to talk about like what you did back then on the come up to see what's still relevant now, right? Because mm-hmm. just like you said, it's like, it was different back then, but there's, there's always something that we can pull. And I think based on what you said, um, I think it really is just about like honing. My takeaway was that like you guys really honed the craft early on. And then it was just about being consistent with it. If you can do that. And I think that's the case for all of the artists we work with is like just a true love for music and um, not wanting to do anything but that. And, uh, and just being very talented at it and, you know, making undeniably great music, which is, I think, everything that anyone does all just has to come down to that, you know, in the kind of space that we work in. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, yeah, I, and, and I think, like you said, it's just the, the level of consistency. It's like one of the, it's, you know, everybody, everybody wants to, like, find the silver bullet that's like, oh, I know how to get, you know, in the right room with the right people. And there really is no silver bullet. It is just about continuing to do those small things, like, over and over and over again until yeah. you, you get that ball to the top of the mountain and then there's a much everybody can tell a song that was um put together by a bunch of ars being like oh you should get this name and this name and this name that it's bound to be good and then like i don't think those songs do um do the magic you know <laughs> yeah like you can tell it's like oh this was put together in a room yeah. by people that were trying to like sign engineer a hit. exactly yeah. you know? and it's, like, it's obvious when that's the case yeah yeah and and I, I love hearing that line. It's like, it's, it's, um, how to do this is simple, but it's not easy. Yeah. Right? Like it's simple. These things are simple. And if you can just, the theory is simple, simple, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. I love it. Well, um, you know, want to talk about kind of how, you know, you guys started ha- having some early hits then you started getting, you know, a bunch of big, you know, kind of, um, uh, label attention. Curious how you guys view that now, right? What, what does either now? With actually, let, let me ask that. Let me ask that a little differently. Like with hindsight being twenty twenty, right? Yeah. What do you think a label, you know, uh, brings to the table in terms of you know helping artists grow uh, in, in today's music business, right? Not everybody needs it, but it, it is beneficial for for some people. So, how do you view labels? How do you guys view your partnerships with labels? When should people look to tap in? I think a label is the same as um, a management company or a, a law firm or anything. It's we're all just human beings. With we've labeled, we decided to work for this certain company. So, like, I don't think the um, label itself matters matters as much as who um, they'll put on your team from the label. And um, like, you could have um, a small label, but you have the guy or a girl working there that is very, very um, interested in making the project um, work, you know, so then they, they will put in the work because you can end up in a system where no one really cares that much about the signing and then um, you just won't have the attention. But if you have a team that cares and, and you're, you're delivering product that they can work with and they care about making it work, then I think um, a label could be very beneficial. They have uh, obvious powers and um, teams and infrastructure that, most artists don't have without them, you know? So um, I think there was a, there was a time, like a few years between the Spotify Now and 
like in that SoundCloud era that we were talking about, yeah. where people were like, um, it was the, the the popular thing was big. Oh, we know no one needs a label anymore because it's so easy to just put out your music, which like maybe was the case. And I feel like they have now found their place in this system that we have now of streaming and um, and all that, and have you know brought back the their importance in my opinion. Um, in a completely different way than it used to be prior to that, obviously. But um, I think it's there. I think they, they have the, the connections. They have the ability to streamline things that you need done. Um, they they are there watching your back um, and make sure that everything is, is working. They have access to the, the Spotify's and the Apple's of the world. And they have, um, and again, if you have a good team of in the label of people that care, that's the most important part, in my opinion. Yeah, and don't say the biggest takeaway is where well, we we definitely made a mistake. The you asked me about twenty twenty hindsight, signing label deals too early um, in a career and without um, lawyers. You know, um, we definitely made those mistakes at the beginning and are still uh, in those deals. <laughs> yeah, not to bring up any uh, you know names or anything like that, but yeah, I was. It's funny you said that because I was going to ask like what. Have you guys had any missteps? You know, oh, yeah. Past? Oh, yeah. There's some there's you... missteps that we're still um, dealing with on a consistent basis with two of our artists, and it's it's just really annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I, I agree in, in the team, right? That is the difference maker, right? Yeah. Like, you got to make sure. So for anybody who's lucky enough to be in that position of, like, labels knocking on your door, I, that's what I always say, too. Like, who is the team that's going to be working this? You want to meet all of the people. Not just the main yeah. person who's cutting the check because that person's not working your shit day to day. And, you know, you want to be who's going to be in the trenches. Do they care about this stuff? Uh, because those are the people that you want on your side. The other, you know, it's funny, uh, Aiden and I were, we were kind of having a little pre-production call this morning and talking about a couple of other things. Um, but, but this topic came up of just like, you know, I want to get your take on this, too. But just of owning masters, right? When you're young, this whole you don't need a label thing. Uh, the topic that you just brought up kind of made me think of this. That's why I bring it up. But, you know, uh, what I was saying this morning was really like, up and coming people are like, yeah, I want to own my masters. I want to own that. And that is a big thing. And to me, I'm like, yes, that's an important thing. Mm-hmm. But I have a treasure trove of masters from artists that I worked with when I was young that are really dope uh, songs and artists. And they, they're not worth shit. Right, yeah. because there's no team behind it, or there was no team behind it to really uh, add value to that music. And so I yeah. think that I, I always put that out there to be like, you have to understand, right? If somebody dangles a six-figure check in front of you, you, you have to really weigh that against, uh, you know, not having that potentially life-changing money, right? Yeah. I think what I want to do, one of the things, one of the reasons we're doing this is to help educate people so that if they're lucky again lucky enough to be in that position that if they've worked really hard and say they went viral and labels are hitting them up that you know the leverage that they have and you have if somebody comes at you and is like yo we're gonna give you two hundred thousand dollars because you know you got lucky and the internet gods blessed your viral video for a week yeah for a week <laughs> you should take that shit and run with it even though they own your masters because my opinion and this is like a much broader thing is like you should take that money and you need to figure out how to invest that $200,000 into something else that's going to cash flow for yeah. you over here on the side so that you can yeah. live off that, right? Uh-huh. Then you're making, the, to me, the bet is on yourself in that 
you're going to go so hard and this first project is going to be so dope that you can go back to the label and say, fuck you, we're not putting out the second one until you renegotiate our terms, which they'll do if you're able, if you are big enough and, and, and you really bet on yourself and you hit, right? They're going to, yeah. they're going to do that because they want to keep you happy. They want to keep music going out. Like they're, they're in the business of, of making, of making stars. So like I always, and a lot of people don't know like that because they've never had that much money dangled in front of them or they're just like, you know, they bought him into the internet hype of like, I could just do that. Like I was working with a kid last year who was, who was saying that. And I was just like, he's like, why do we need these labels? So I was like, do you know the people at Apple and yeah. Spotify directly? Yeah. Oh, you don't? Like they do. That's why. That's why you exactly. need them. That's it. They have the connections and they have the infrastructure to add value to your music. If you don't yeah. have that, then you need them. And yeah. like their terms may suck, but like also you might not get another shot at this. So it's something to really consider. I think there's also like so many different ways you could structure a deal and that's what I think comes down right. to having um, a good lawyer and um, spend that money on the lawyer instead of <laughs> yeah. uh, you know like a lawyer and or even a management consultant or anything just because you can you can set up a licensing deal you can set up a short term deal you can set up like um, sometimes you want maybe a 360 kind of deal because of whatever reasons you know like yeah. And, yeah. A, a, and yeah and also is it um whether it's a producer deal or an artist deal or is it for um, you know a viral moment so you're getting everyone hitting you up or is it because someone is seeing a long-term growth and you as, a, as an artist so there's so many yeah there's just so many ways you can structure it so yeah and I think there's it could definitely be beneficial for a lot of people you can also do white label deals you could do like there's so many things you could do so yeah I think yeah. there's a good deal is a good deal whether it's um, <laughs> right yeah and, and, and I yeah I should, I should preface this by saying this too is like I, I do agree that some of those deals are shitty, right? And it's yeah. like they want to keep you dumb. They want to keep artists dumb. They don't yeah. want to give you the fair deal. To me, the fairest deal is the licensing deal, right? Yeah. It should Everything should just – every label should be doing this, right? They only do it for the super big acts or the ones that have a ton of leverage, right? So, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't say this lightly by saying that the deal sucks, but also like that that's life-changing money. Somebody dangles $250,000 in front of you. Yeah. You really need to think about, okay, how can I take this $250,000 and not go buy dumbass shit, but like how can you invest in some real estate? This is a topic for much, you know, uh, uh, you know, for, for another call, you know, much deeper and longer. But And I, I want to bring that sort of mentality to it as well. It's like take this. You got lucky. The internet gods blessed you with yeah. like attention. You can't, it's hard to do that again. I would try to do that again. You know, it's like, take that, take that guaranteed money and go invest it in something else. And I'll give some free, uh, it's because I'm Canadian. So for any Canadian um, listeners out there ever, um, like the most important thing for you, if you, if you get to a point where you're signing a record deal is to, with a non-Canadian label, is to carve out Canada from your Ooh. record. Um deal and sign new Canadian masters and whatever to whether that label has a Canadian division or to another Canadian uh, label because then you're still eligible for government grants which is not an American thing but in Canada um, we have a lot of um, different grants for music and albums and artists so um, take advantage of it and it's great it's out there and uh, but carve out Canada or else you're going to screw yourself <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that man still that's still yeah um, all right, so again, this week, you know, one of the focuses, and not one of the focuses, the focus is really just how, how you guys are strategizing growth, right? How you guys do it, we want to try and pull some insights for people that are just starting out and how they do it. 
you guys have had a ton of success over the last, you know, three, four, five years, right? Um, how do you guys, um, how do you guys focus on like goal setting? Do you guys say, you know, you, you, you guys are ramping up, um, you know, Patreon is working on a new project like we've been talking about. You guys are going to put obviously a bunch of time, effort, and energy into creating that. How do you guys plan the rollout of it? Do you guys have dates? Do you guys have like weekly meetings? What do you guys, I want to get into like some of the nitty gritty. What tools do you guys use? Like you big fan of fucking Google Drive or iCal? Like Drive. what are, what is all this? Yeah, yeah. What is the tech? Let, let, let's go there if you don't mind. Like from, you know, put, really putting on like the, the management, you know, operating a management company. Like how detailed are you? Do you like to be? And, you know, how, how far do you guys plan out? Talk to, if you, if you don't mind, talk to me a little bit about that stuff too. So um, for us, like um, everyone obviously works different. We are a very, very, we're a small company. So, uh, and let me, let me backtrack there too. How many yeah. people are at the company, right? Um, there's two of us, me and Will. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, so there's obviously pros and cons to that. Like the pro is that we're in constant communication uh, on the same page. You know, we don't need to organize an army to, to set up a Zoom call. Um, but uh, it also means that we're just we're taking on a lot of uh, work responsibility for a small group of people. Um, but you know, so far we're, we're very happy with the workflow and I think it's working, working well. Um, and I think the re the main reason for that is, um, all of our artists are old artists, all old, uh, clients. So we've been with them, um, from, the, from like 90% of them from the beginning of their career and our career. So we've grown to, uh, understand their wants and needs and how they, and mainly how they operate. And like you know what they're expecting and what um, and how to get a proper answer out of them for to keep things moving, you know. And that's the biggest challenge, in my opinion, is a uh, as, as management is that you that's what you have to understand. You don't you don't want to be um, pestering. You don't want to be doing things in a way that they're not happy with. You know whether whether it's the easiest sending a, a contract to be signed. You know some artists. Like in DocuSign, some artists like in the PDF form so they can do it on their phone, like stuff like that, you know, and then it just takes time to, takes time to learn and it, and it, and it changes and you got to all flow with, with what they want, you know? So, um, I think that's the biggest thing. And so the way we, we do it and again with every artist is different. Some, some artists we organize are very, um, you know, they take care of a lot of the things on their, on their own. Um, when it comes to like merch design or, uh, or, you know, booking travel or whatever it can be. And some artists are fully in like hands off, like you tell me where we where I have to be and then we'll and then I'll let you know if there's a problem, you know? Um, so yeah, it's just, I think it's just about it. And I think in a general statement that's how I would imagine any management to be. Like it's just to find out how your artist wants to be um, you know, engaged with and uh, and how to keep them organized. Um, but but by the end of the day, we work for them. So we really let them lead on on when they're ready to put up the music, when they feel they're happy with it. We're not pushing to get we, we owe them another album. We and technically in the contract they said four months, uh, and we're coming up on three. Like you know, there's none of that. It's it's whatever um, whenever they're ready and whenever they want to, then and ready to deliver. Then what we do ahead of time is you know with vinyl take taking a long time to make, we just kind of put the general deadline in place like okay if we want to release it this 
on this date, we have to have it ready by this date. Google Drive is, for me, my personal, like, uh, I do absolutely everything there. Um, down to, like, even touring. Like, I remember when, on this tour, I had some texts asking me, okay, where's the master tour? Can you add me to master tour? I'm like, I don't even use master tour. <laughs> because I put master tour on, and, uh, and everyone still asks me questions every day. I'm like, so you know, now I'm just inputting information four different times. So, um... Instead, I just I Google Drive, I give links, and um, it's on there. <laughs> and then I do it once, and then I, uh, everyone has that link, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm super big on that, too. I think um, starting out, that, that's uh, a lot of advice that I, I give to, to up-and-coming managers as well. It's like, you just have to be as organized as possible because there's so many moving parts. And you want to be able to go back and reference stuff. And it can't yeah. be like, oh, let me go find it in my email. It needs yeah. to be in like in the folder and the subfolder and the subfolder and the subfolder of the album or whatever project. So that way you can just like easily trace your steps. And totally. just like you said, it takes time to build that up and like, you know, get in those good habits. But uh, yeah, I'm always like start now and just keep everything on drive because like then it doesn't matter if you lose your computer or your phone breaks. It's like, yeah, exactly. No, the drive <laughs> is amazing. Uh, and like, yeah, I, I use it for absolutely everything. And, um, and what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah, it's a team-wise. Another thing that keeps us all working and it's just we all we have a great – it's a lot more than just – even though we as a management team are small, we have amazing lawyers and amazing agents and amazing PR team and amazing um, accountants and bookkeepers and assistants and, like, all that is all part of, you know, whether or not they're actually on a part of the management team, it's part of the artist team. And um, it all takes all of us to operate this thing, you know? Yeah. Um, going down the rabbit hole a little bit there with the management company specifically, how are you guys, are, are you guys actively looking to grow by trying to find great new artists to sign and work with? Do you guys let that stuff come to you or how do you guys think about growth for the management company specifically? Um, I think we are, we are like, as is right now, pretty like maxed out on, uh, on signings. Um, and I think we would if we're put in a situation where we're we either found a new client or looking for a new client or um, a new client came to us, asked for, um, for us to jump on, it would just now involve growing the, um, the whole companies as a whole, like you're adding more managers and uh, assistants and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's kind of open-ended. We're not actively not looking, but we're not actively looking either. And uh, we just actually, most recent, it's been almost six, seven months now, but we started working with Kitty Cash who's been amazing and also a very natural fit because she was a friend of ours before uh, we started working with her and um, she hit us up saying that she's looking for new management and we took the meeting and very happy we did. So, um, and we've been able to bring her also into our infrastructure of agents and um, accounting and lawyer and all that and um, we keep it, you know, keep it like, keep it small and easy. Yeah. Are you guys big on trying to build out, um, or not build out, maybe you're just built them, but like systems. You, you talked about having those, um, you know, uh, having the assistants, having all the other team members. Do you guys have systems for like when something comes in, it gets reviewed by the assistant, then gets kicked to you, then gets kicked to the lawyer, then it's the artist? Or do, do you guys think about building out systems or, or is it like you really just take things as they come because, you know, um, when you're just getting started with an artist or just kind of in between times, or maybe it's just an entertainment thing that everything is a little bit haphazard. It, it, it kind of comes in. There's no like set schedule. It's not like, you know, a uh, uh, specific, you know, invoices hit every single week or every single month and, and do 
that sort of thing. But to some extent, because you guys are so big, you do have some of that stuff, right? Touring is pretty consistent. Streaming revenue is pretty consistent. How do you guys think about systems? I, I love systems. I mean, that's like my, my I'm totally like a OCD, like spreadsheet nerd. And um, so like I try to implement as much, I guess you call systems as a good way to say it. But like, yeah, implement um, how to keep finding ways to keep myself organized. So yeah, a system, I guess. Um, we, we At one point we had like an idea we were trying to develop like a back end app thing where it, we didn't even come close to starting it but it was just an idea of me trying to organize things like of an app where we can present offers or schedules or you know meetings to our artists through this app um so first of all no one is allowed to steal that if i see that out there i'll go down <laughs> I'm for um, but anyway, so i don't know how that would look exactly but anyway that's not in place but it was just an idea of how to get a system going um but yeah no i mean just yeah, again, just emailing, uh, spreadsheets. We have a system of how to pay people out, how you know, um, how to keep track of expenses, credit card statements, that kind of stuff. Um, but generally, it's kind of go with the flow because it's just so different all the time, you know. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, so, so kind of piggybacking off that, um, what is the what's the one thing that you guys do as a whole that you wish you could fix or that you wish would be better? What's one thing that you guys are like, ah, oh, man, we keep, I wish we could tighten this up to get here to, to make it do whatever. What, what are those things that like keep you up at night for, for how you can get better? Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, no, it's kind of a vague question, but I always like to go at like, you know, I'm, just, are... I'm thinking uh, like right off the bat, the thing that I know is this all the time is when the, when like our credit cards get maxed, um, and it takes time for to balance to clear because of banking systems, <laughs> yep. um, and that could literally stop us on our track because we're like I'm trying to, you know, book out a tour and we need to put all these different expenses on credit cards, um, and then like we just have to pause for two days. You know, yeah. You um, call the company and you gotta get it all figured out, and you're like, no, yeah. we're legit people trying to spend this much money. We got it. Like, yeah, exactly. Just put it on there. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. Two days. Like, why? So I'm obviously just simple answers to how to fix that, but um, that's something that um, is is a consistent bug. Um, but yeah, I mean, other, like, I'm trying to think. Um, but just getting um, a lot of it, in my opinion, is waiting on um, on other people who are all too busy, and you can't um, and you can't you know keep moving with what you're trying to do and on a logistics end. Until you have uh, answers, certain answers you're looking for, you know. Yep. And um, you know, but again, it's very uh, case specific, I guess. Yeah. Is there is there anything that you do to help you know, you know, ease your mind, ease your stress? You're dealing with a lot of moving parts for a lot of moving people. There's so many great things happening. De that stress is definitely something that that comes up a lot. Do you get bugged out and you wish things were like simpler and tighter for you, or do you love it and you just try to? And you, you find that time to whatever meditate, work out, or cook, or do whatever your thing yeah. to, to help you regulate. I, I love it. I mean, um, it's I don't know if I can keep it up for my whole life, but I love um, the like. I I work best when I have like way too much going on, um, and I, I feel like I operate at my best at that point. Like this this tour, um, we got this weekend tour. We got put on it very last minute, like you know, maybe a month a month ago confirmed it, and we were. Um, we were on tour in Europe 
uh, while we were confirming it. So me and Jacob, our production manager, and um, like stage design and stuff like that, we were just trying to figure out a stadium tour while on tour in Europe in a completely different time zone and playing like 20 shows in 15 days or something like that. So it was just like, uh, it was definitely challenging and stressful. And then once you get there and you do the first show, you're like, oh, okay. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> we, we somehow managed to figure out. And even going into Europe, like with what's going on in the world right now, there's like no staff anywhere. There's no gear anywhere. Or, like everyone's struggling to find anything. They're canceling festivals because they just cannot find gear and they cannot find staff. And um, that is a huge challenge right now um, with everything in our industry. But uh, yeah, like going to Europe and you show up and they're like, yeah, well, we could not find the screen you need, you know? I don't know what accent that was, but <laughs> wherever they're from, uh, we, we, we just there is there is no screen today. We're like, well, uh, what? You know, yeah, try to plan and be as organized and on top of things as possible. But sometimes the world just <laughs> gets in the way, you know. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like uh, yeah, you, you always have plans, and then it's like you get there, and it's especially with what you guys do, it's so different. You're going to so many different places. It's hard to set all that stuff up, so you kind of have to. A big part of that, I imagine, is really just being able to roll with the punches and not get too tight when something isn't the way you want. Yeah, but the other day, I keep telling these people, like, we're not curing cancer, man. We're just putting on a show. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. if uh, the right type of uh, wine is in the back or the, the, you know, the stage is not exactly how you imagined it, like, we'll be fine. Everyone will be okay. Yeah, it's like, you know what everybody's here for? They're here for good fucking music. Exactly. We're here for music and there. Uh, the lights will flash and everyone will have a good time. Right, and, and, and then you'll be straight, yeah. I, I, I love, um, you know, I keep one of those quotes on my wall. It's like, done is better than perfect. Yeah. Yeah, you know I mean, it's like, you just got to let it roll. It's, it's, yeah. it's never going to be perfect. And then just like you said, you look back and all of a sudden, it starts to perfect. It starts to get a little bit tighter, a little bit tighter, a little bit tighter, yeah. and it, it's, you, you'll get there. You'll get you'll there. Out, yeah. Yeah. Um, want to ask a couple of um, you know kind of artist specific questions? Uh, we got a, a few minutes left here again. Uh, appreciate everybody for coming through. Monday morning manager. Um, want to talk to you about? Um, I, I always kind of love to do a, a quick little um, kind of whiteboarding exercise, so to speak. Right? If you were managing a DJ just starting out uh, today, what would you tell them to do in terms of? Now, not what you tell them to do, right? What, what would you help them with as a manager in terms of like booking shows and um, how do you view um, production, right? And the reason I ask this question is because, and, and I probably should have asked it in kind of reverse order there, but I always see a lot of producers today that are just like, yeah, I just want to produce. And, you know, that's all I'm going to like focus on. That's what I like. And I always say, I think you're doing yourself a massive disservice by not also DJ. Yeah. It's like, the, you know, so many skills that cross over, right? Like, literally, you got to know BPMs. You got to know, like, so many things about the sonics that also a producer needs to know, right? It just doesn't make any sense to me why people don't do that because then I think it goes into, like, all right, you're doing shows, you're networking, you're putting a little bit of money in your pocket, you're learning what sounds, what records work, and what, what, what don't work, and then you can build off of that. But curious how you view that, right? If you had to go back and start with somebody from scratch today, what would you really focus on? Uh, would you focus on trying to get that DJ or producer into a bigger city so that they can, you know, st where there's an actual scene? Or would you just say, yo, just stick to the internet and, and try and blow up that way and this is how we can do it? Oh, um... I'm trying to give you a lot to chew on, too. Yeah, 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 I'm, I'm thinking about it. Um, so, first of all, like, yeah, with all, all of our clients, they're producers first, you know what I mean? Like, um, 
And so they make, you know, their, 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 I don't say their main income, but their main income is from their catalog and their royalties. And, um, so it was a big, um, lesson on how to like operate management on that side of things versus a live, like, you know, for live shows, because it's, it's very different, you know, like learning what a good publishing deal or producer, um, deal is versus like, you know, just, um, an artist who, uh, who tours without having that secondary income. So they just, they just, um, make money on their own records. Right. Um, but, uh, for anyone new, first of all, like for your producer, publishing, learning about what publishing means and learn about, um, how to make sure that you're collecting, um, all your revenue streams and are coming in because there's a lot of different, like, there's so many different ways to get money. There's publishing royalties and performing royalties and um, SOCANs and CSACs and MS and uh, BMI and you know, I mean, like, there's just a lot of different people collecting and the money's there. And if you don't claim it, you don't get it, <laughs> and it just stays in the system, right? So um, learn learn where the money is and how to get to it. Um, then um, if you're just a, learn a DJ if you don't know how to DJ because if you have a good taste in music, you should um, use that because that's a skill. Because a lot of people um, don't know music. So if you know music and you know um, a lot of different types of music and you have love for it, then I think it's, it's a skill to be able to DJ and to get a party going, you know? Um, yeah, and then I guess, I guess yeah, go in, find a city where you can fit into some kind of scene where there's a weekly event or a, a crew of people like, you know, with Sango, he was part of Selection, still is. And that was a big scene that, you know, started from nothing. And now they're, they're touring the world and doing massive shows and are, they are, um, they're, they're awesome. And, um, and that's definitely a great scene. It was for us, it was the beginning was HWW and that was Keitra and Pomo and Sang and Stu and, um, Taku and, uh, Eloquent and, um, you know, and then they all kind of broke up and, and they did their own, had their own careers. Um, so I think, yeah, like, that is definitely a, a good way to do it because I think it's um, working as a team is just way better. I love I I don't like working alone as much as uh, some people are solo riders, but I I, I love working with a team. I think a team just can accomplish so much more, um, so much faster. Um, you you want to go quick, go alone. You want to go far, go together. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's it, it, it really it really does come down to that. Yeah, I, I love that. I tell a lot of people, you know, um, that it's just like. That it, to me, if you're just getting started, that's just like the way to go. Like those two things complement each other so well, right? Like if you're producing, you're just like DJing in your room. You yeah. know what I mean? So to speak, it's like it's you're just doing the exact same thing. Why not fill that need? You know where people need music in clubs, just play other people's records, and you see what works, what doesn't work, what you yeah. like, what you don't like, and then it's like okay, that's going to help you in your own creative quest as well. Not to mention, you start to play some pretty good clubs, then you start to get those bigger celebrities, or I should say bigger artists that come through, and that's how you build a relationship. Then all of a sudden, you know, your party went to Mir, and you're like, oh, yo, I got a bunch of dead records, too. <laughs> <Let's> go, <laughs> there, there you go, man. It's like, can I, can I send you some stuff? And it's like, yeah, sure. That wouldn't yeah. have happened if you didn't put yourself in the right spot, you know, yeah. by going out there. They're just like, it's hard to get... You know, it's hard to send Samir an email or a DM uh, anywhere because it's like, you know, that, that happens all the time. It's like, I can't see you rock. If somebody feels something, like yeah. you can as a DJ, that's going to, it's going to be hard for you to forget that one. 100%.
You know what I mean? Um, another thing that you guys do, you know, a lot of is, is you have a lot of cross collaboration with your artists. Um, how important do you view collabs in today's world? Are you really on that bandwagon of like, um, uh, uh, well, not on the bandwagon. Obviously, it helps in, in, in this streaming environment, right? You, you go back and you look at top records from 20, 30, 40 years ago. There's such a lower, you know, smaller amount of artists that were on those songs, right? And there's so many more people working on stuff. And yeah. you work with a lot of producers. Just curious your thoughts on, on collaboration in general. You just like, just like you were saying before, is like the more the merrier and let's just make some great records, put that shit out. Or is it like a little bit more strategic with you guys where you're like, we're doing certain things with certain people. Like we want Craig David on a record and no one's heard Craig in a minute. And like, that's, or is it a mix of the both? I think, I think it's definitely a mix of both. I think like, um, it's, um, like with Kay, for instance, he has, he does so many sessions with so many amazing, um, artists. And, um, and then it just comes down to the music again and his, um, his decisions, right. Uh, but who was going to be on this album for whatever reason, um, but it, ultimately the song, <laughs> you know, the song being the ones that he liked the best. Um, but I think, I think it's very, uh, I think it's very important. I think that, like having a cosign is, um, a very, um, helpful tool <laughs> in the, um, in, the, in this current industry right now. And, uh, it helps, it definitely helps with, with, um, the streaming and eyes and stuff like that because, and you're capturing audiences that you may not get to otherwise for sure. Yeah, so I think uh, there's definitely strategy behind it, um, but again, ultimately the music um, as to who the, the the last you know whether who's going to be the first single versus the album track versus a video versus uh, and it, it depends also on their team and what uh, they're comfortable with and what they're ready to uh, sign away. You know, if they will, if they'll do um, an album uh, included video in their agreement or uh it now comes down to whether you're a primary artist or a tagged artist or you're allowed to put them on spotify some not you know but i, I encourage everyone to start looking at the song uh, song credits on all everything you listen to on spotify let's sing and I, I love that they have that um there because it's it's crazy to see how how many people are involved in uh in songs these days yeah yeah i wish um you know i wish you actually had to list all of the uh, featured artists and things like that, right? Right. Like, I just think of the, I think of the last number one. I think of the last Kanye album, right? Well, not the last one, right? But he did, but for Donda, right? There's like a ton of new people who I'm like, yeah, I hear all the names coming through, but I don't know who's on this record. I don't know their voice. I'm not like hit, hit to that. And now being a little bit older, I don't have that time to go down the rabbit hole and look at other people yeah. and da, 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 da. And not to mention, I can't like back in the day, I can't go into my uh, Apple Music back in the day iTunes but I can't like <laughs> update and change the artist's name so that yeah. way when it shows up I can, I know who the hell is on that record so I just think it, I also think it's kind of crazy that like Kanye doesn't put that out there because it's like you put your name on it why can't you put the other it people should, it should be illegal 100% you're right, right? You know what I mean like that shit is yeah. crazy to me I'm like you know, it's not just you anymore, man. And not, you know, not to say that Kanye doesn't like, you know, bring on a bunch of people and, and show everybody a bunch of love. But like to me, that's like the most obvious, simple choice. Like, what the fuck? Like that's yeah. easy to me. Like who said don't do that? Yeah, yeah. Kanye, oh, it looks cleaner. Fuck it. For out sure. Of here. Yeah. I mean, I get it from his point. He's like they're getting paid, but still, it's like no. The credits, like I mean, I'm sure it is technically illegal because I'm sure all these contracts have credit clauses in them. Yeah. But um, just no one follows up on it or cares that much about it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. Um, well, I uh, got one. 
I got a couple final questions for you, um, but definitely wanted to, um, but, but before we get out of here, I wanted to ask you, uh, uh, electronic music, dance music, you know, starting to make a, a really, really, really mainstream comeback, obviously with the Drake album, uh, but then Beyonce's Break My Soul as well. Curious your thoughts on those in particular, right? And then also, um, you know, how you see um, what what you think maybe the long-term impact is. I, I mean, because I feel like you guys are sitting right there, you know what I mean? And you guys have been for a long time, and you're working on a new project. How are you guys thinking about this resurgence and, and you know, obviously what Beyonce is coming my my take on that too, just the Beyonce thing, real quick. I feel like you know, after the Drake record came out, she probably went back and was reworking some shit. <laughs> to get a little bit tighter. We should probably talk about that. It's funny, yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, it was. It's funny, yeah. It's funny the amount of like um, people on Twitter on K for like this uh, Drake album and uh, and this Beyonce album. That everyone's like, "Yo, you better be on that." Here, it's like everyone needs to chill out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean. It's great. I think it's um, it's pretty nat like nat like natural progression because everything like our TV is you know like Stranger Things being the biggest thing. So it's all um, kind of resurgence is the is the theme right now. Yeah. Like, we can't we don't know what the new sound is yet. Maybe we're just waiting. We're in a transition phase, but um, it's great. I mean, I I like it because it's what I like to listen to. So I'm happy that there's a lot of great music out there right now. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I don't, I don't, as management, try to get involved um, sonically really at all. Um, we work with artists we do because we trust their uh, vision <laughs> on music, you know. So whether uh, if any of them are inspired by the fact that Drake put out a dance album or not, I don't know. We'll see what they put out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just want to, we want, we just do everything else to make sure that they can just focus on that. Yeah. Um, from the management side, are you guys happy that that's coming out? Do you get, you guys are, this is great. If our artists want to pursue this, like, this is kind of like a perfect storm. Like it's, it's not a perfect storm necessarily in, in a bad way, but it's just like, Oh, that the world's kind of coming to us and it's just, we're just continuing to do our shit. And are, are you put it like in your management thing? Are you putting together those ideas of like, Oh, if somebody goes this way, we could capitalize on, on these things over here. Uh, no, I can't say that we think about that, really. We just do our thing, um, let artists do their thing, and then just, like, um, just trust. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, I think they're just very, very good at knowing what um, they need to do musically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like when you when you start to develop, you know, when you start to go down that path and you're trying to predict things too much, yeah. and get, like, before we're talking about being perfect, right? That shit always tends to backfire, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, just, I just don't know if there's a way to like really um you know to know and to and to get ready for that kind of thing you know yeah yeah like yeah. um we just they just make music that's timeless and um so i think it should work you know yeah it's it's, it's, it's like work. Yeah. yeah it's like trying to you know on the stock market you know they always talk about like not trying to time the market that's kind of what mm -hmm. that is right it's like you you do that you're gonna fail. You're gonna be super stressed out. So you stay focused on just. And like you can going. tell it. Like you can tell it. Like there's yeah. a song. I, I don't want to name it, but like that I listened to that just came out this week from a big artist, and like it was just so bad in my opinion. You know, it was terrible. And like um, you could just tell it was put together by like we need to get uh, him and him and him in the studio and bring her on as a feature, and um, it's gonna be huge. And you know what? 
fuck me is probably huge. You know, they're sure it's streaming like crazy, but I was just saying, tell it's people trying to capitalize yeah. on like this dance resurgence and the funk resurgence and like and then put in and you can just tell it was A and R is putting people in a room together and it's like uh, I, I think I know the the, the uh, song you're talking about. Uh, does it does it rhyme with uh, uh, Shimberlake? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thought the same thing. I was like, damn, man, you guys are literally. I just finally, uh, you know, I don't know if you're talking about that one, but I am. Uh, yeah. I fired that one up like yesterday, and I was just like, ah, oh, man, like this is ah. We were driving and I had nothing else to do. We were yeah, in the yeah. car and for two hours and I was like, oh, let's check out this new song. And then I was like, yeah. off. And I'm like, we need to just not listen to music for the next 20 minutes. Like, Yo, for real, I was like, man, I was, you know, you start to expect big things that, with that producer too. The last project was great. They had some good things and then this. I was just like, ugh, you guys, you just tried to make another one of those things. Yeah. Not only another one of those that you've already made, but also yeah. another one like to fit in this moment. And I was like, uh, this is. Uh, yeah. Uh, I couldn't. Yeah, that's exactly what I was talking about. You can just tell when it's yeah. made out of uh, you know formula versus like uh, just love. Yeah, and it, I thought the same thing. I was like, this thing's probably gonna do crazy numbers, but like that doesn't mean that it's great. <laughs> it's yeah. like you know, and and we should be holding them to that that standard. So I don't have a problem like putting that out there because it's like I don't know if you guys are thinking about that. Yeah, you know I and mean? I think you guys were just put, trying to put some shit together, trying to just do it quick and like hopefully hit and like ah oh, cool. That, um, that was definitely the feeling with it. Yeah. yeah, but also on the on the uh, the Timberlake note too, um, I just find it interesting what he's doing. He's selling all of his stuff, literally all his stuff. He's selling his houses. He's selling his music catalog. I'm like, what's he? Why is he selling his stuff? I'm like <laughs> at the top of the market, I guess right now. But like, what are you gonna do with that stuff, Justin? <laughs> what are you gonna do with that stuff? Now? What are you gonna do with that cash? You gotta put it. You gotta move it somewhere. So I'm, I'm interested to see again, just kind of on a business standpoint. That's, you know, I was thinking about that yesterday. I was like, man, what's he doing? He's selling his houses in New York, LA, uh, selling his catalog for 100 million. What do you think about that? Um, uh, j- just the the firestorm over the last year of everybody selling their stuff, selling their catalogs. You like it? You think it's gonna cool off? Um, I mean, I think that's the ultimate. Um end goal right I, I would imagine like so if you, if you don't do it then you know your state will do it for you <laughs> um so fuck, take money i mean it's part of retirement i guess part of time uh, moves and maybe you know you don't want to you want to do it while it's still relevant while you still uh it's worth more than it may be worth later down the line yeah hmm. yeah yeah I'm, I'm my only thought is i'm curious if they carve out some sort of like some small piece that they can retain for ownership, right? So I've never seen a, like a legal legal deal for a catalog song, so I don't know what it looks like. I don't even know where to start on that. But um, yeah, it's definitely I'd love to see one. That'd be very interesting. Yeah, me, me too. I'm like I'm curious if they carve something out to get some consistent, some other cash flow coming in. But I mean, you're getting three hundred million dollars, and you're you're Bob Dylan. It's like what what's, what other cash flow are you going to need from like your other shit but it but it is interesting because a lot of these people talk about ownership for so long and ownership is a big thing and owning that but then ultimately they're selling it that's yeah. why i'm like but do you still want to own a little bit of it like right. I, I mean it. i guess they, they talk about owning it so they could sell it when they <laughs> when they want to right but, right. Um, i mean i think everything and like music is like 
you're still a business and like so any business should have a um some kind of end goal right like whether yeah. your end goal is sell to, to google or sell but at the end the end is always to try to cash out and do, yeah. what, and do what you love while you're doing it yeah yeah I, I don't knock anybody for doing it at all because just like you yeah. said it's like you, you might as well do it now because somebody else is going to do it for you at some point so like enjoy it that's why i like to just I think of like those car. That's why I'm curious about the carve outs. Like, is there yeah. anything that you carve out to be like, I still own a piece of it, but I just yeah. sold it, and now I'm over here doing this. Thing. I mean, in theory, I guess that would work. You could probably just sell like 95 percent of the company, right? right? You know, why not keep a little bit just to be like, yeah, we still got it. You know yeah. what I mean? So, but um, but hey, man, we're coming down to time. Got got um, one uh, final question for you. Uh, I always like to ask everybody this question: What are you? Uh, what project are you working on? I feel like this is an obvious answer, right? So, so maybe the, the less obvious answer um, is what we're looking for. But what are you working on right now that um, you know is extremely interesting to you, and, and, and why is that? Um, well, the obvious answer is uh, this <laughs> the tour, tour, right? The biggest uh, tour in the world. Because, but aside from that, <laughs> because it's also like well, mainly this tour because it's like it's my side of this business is is this, um, and so like I'm. I feel like it's a huge um, hill that I've like managed to climb now, and like um, now that we're in it, and uh, so it's it's a big weight off the shoulder, and um, the fact that it's working and we know what we're doing. Um, then uh, then after that is we're we're working on um, a really dope collab, uh, I'll say, um, and again learning how to how to work with putting out with a completely separate artists from our um I'm trying to think how to word this without giving anything away uh how to how to work with an artist that's not in our crew and not on our label and not on our management team and, and putting out an end goal with a whole other team of people involved um and you know make sure everyone's happy and the paperwork makes sense and the songs come out and we're on time um so look out for that particular message and um yeah, that's definitely very interesting. That's, that's something new. We've never done like a full album, you know, with anybody collaboration else. Collaboration. Yeah. 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 That's dope. Man. That's dope. That's yeah. And then this tour and then um, how to grow uh, our, you know, our show, how to do something new, how to find new production, um, ideas, stage designs. That's something. And that's what I love also about touring like with Kay um, is that there's no, we haven't invested um a lot of money into like a set piece or a stage design that travels with us and that's like now our design for the next year like we are um we are very very flexible in what we do so like you know before we get on festival like or a event or anything i always like to see what the stage is their bare stage will look like or their like and then um jacob who's like um our newest asset in our uh, in our team um and i we we kind of come up with ideas and just decide and then we you know make every show a bit different we did in la we did uh in the round or that was a huge accomplishment where he came us in the middle of the room on a huge spinning platform with like wwe screens above him all four sides and like um you know something that had never been done in that room before and um so that's, we're just trying to always push um rooms and stuff to their maximum you know yeah is that where you um still get to be creative and let out your creative juices like helping out with set design hell yeah 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 
for sure. So that's a big thing for you that like you you love that. And, and do you help out with like merch too? Is that like another big thing for you so you can still get those creative things out? What, what no. needed? No, yeah, not really. No, I mean, I can't take credit for any merch we did. Um, yeah, yeah. We, do, that's, we have, uh, you know, a great team of designers and creative directors and um, that they, they deal with that stuff. And um, visuals too, like we, we work with, yeah, everyone we work with is just great. And like we've just, we have a really great team around us of people who uh, we trust and, um, yeah. Yeah, that's dope. Um, all right, final question for you. What is uh, the last thing that you read, listened to, or watched? You know that that really moved you, or, or made you think completely different about something. Um, I really loved um, everything, everywhere, all at once. That movie that just came out, mm. the A twenty four movie. Okay, yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw the trailer for it. Yep. Yeah, fucking love that movie. Um, it's so bad because I haven't watched things in in um in a while. I used to watch tons of movies, and I just don't really have the patience for it anymore. Um, but that movie was uh so good. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I don't know. I don't have a good inspiring thing to to put in here. <laughs> <laughs> no inspiring quote. Uh, you know, just just shit. Man, well, my TikTok hey, has been crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I imagine that, but I mean, you, you guys have a ton on your plate right now. You guys are working on the the, the biggest tour uh, of your careers, the biggest tour in the world right now. And, and just like you said, that's honestly the, the biggest thing that's made me like was this week this weekend show. Like, if it's a little more promo for this tour, but like if you are uh, in any city where this tour is going by, it is worth your money to uh, to go see it. This his show is absolutely uh, unbelievable. Yeah, I, I saw videos from the first weekend at MetLife, and it just looks fucking insane. Just like you it's said, literally, like insane. It's like he, he really, really, um, and I keep going to him after every show, and I'm like, bro, it's still blowing my mind. He's like, oh, you don't worry, you can keep telling me that every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's like just crazy. Like he really, really did everything you could you could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and th- th- that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. All right, man. Well, well, hey. Uh, uh, appreciate the time once again. Uh, super glad we can make this happen. I just super appreciate that you took time out of like your busiest schedule working on the biggest things in the world to, to come here and chat with us, man. Well, can't wait to come back, do a round two at some point, hopefully, and uh, you know, be on the lookout for for all the stuff that you guys have coming out, man. Uh, any any parting words for for the audience for the listeners uh, before getting out of here? Um, pay your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> pay taxes move to canada get some grants make some yeah music. move to canada actually yeah keep, keep keep moving that shit <laughs> all right man well, well again uh appreciate the time and uh and we'll we'll, we'll talk soon awesome appreciate you guys all right, thanks peace For more information on Studio Talk, visit us at studiotalk.co or on all social platforms at Studio Talk Co. At Studio Talk C.O.